Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt. Typically, I'm joined by Chase, but I had to jump on here late one night and record a a little intro for this podcast. But normally, I am joined by a world-class deer hunter, turkey slayer, redfish catching machine. You'll hear from him again here shortly. But if you're new to this show, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for finding us. I'm glad to have you here. We cover a wide array, easy for me to say, of topics on a daily basis, or weekly basis, I should say, and we do it with a a light sense of, a good sense of humor, we don't take ourselves too seriously, we have a great time doing it, and we hope that you guys find value in what we're doing, the topics that we're talking about, the stories that we share, and uh, I think... uh, I think we got a fun one for you guys this week. This week we're joined by Brett Mashburn. I affectionately refer to him as the South Alabama legend. This guy hustles so hard to get on big deer in a place that is not exactly known for big deer. Um, And he hunts all year round. His deer season doesn't end, guys. You hear that said all the time. Deer season doesn't end. It's shed season. It's this season. It's that season. This is the season for him, right? He lives and breathes deer hunting. He he puts countless hours on the ground on one piece of public, and he has learned that piece of public like the back of his hand, and uh, he has a great degree of success. And today we are talking about taking a moment to look back on the previous deer season and decide what you may or may not have done well and pick a couple of them to focus on. I'm not going to say any, anything else because I don't really want to ruin it because I think it's a really fun podcast that you guys are really going to enjoy. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hush about that. I do have a couple of things to talk about right here off the top, guys. Um, if you are new to the show, we have a, a, a option called Patreon that you can choose to subscribe to and support the show. We have a 5 and a $10 tier, and that money goes into production costs. It goes into operating fees. We don't make money off the show. We just we, we upgrade gear. We travel and do podcasts, all kinds of cool stuff. And I'm proud to say that we joined. We had another member join here recently, uh, Nicholas Norman and Jonathan Courtney. Uh, both signed up in the last week or so, and I want to say thanks to you guys. You get a shout-out on the podcast. You get free hats that are be, that are going to go out in the mail to you. You get stickers, and most importantly, perhaps, you get added to our digital deer camp, our little hunting group that we have, the Marco Polo group, the Discord app, where you can connect with this carefully curated 
group of individuals who all have a passion for the outdoors and share that there with their wisdom, their trials, their tribulations, all the stuff that comes with it. They share that for you. And if you grew up with deer camp like I did, this place is like home. It's like family. It's like going back to the very beginning, what deer hunting and the outdoors was when I was a kid. It's not what it is today. Deer camp is kind of a dying tradition in most of the country, but we're going to bring it back and we're going to bring it back in a modern way. I guess I should also mention that we're doing a giveaway this this spring. Uh, at the end of of February, we are going to pull two winners. First place is going to win a Stevens 301 20 gauge shotgun. And Gene Lyford of Lyford Custom Calls has generously donated two pot calls and a, a, a carefully selected group of diaphragms as well. That's going to be first place. Second place is going to get two pot calls and, again, carefully selected mouth calls for the winner uh, from Honeycomb Custom Calls. Daniel Wentworth over there, great, great fella. Uh, I've enjoyed getting to know both of these guys. I, myself, I have been uh, getting into the turkey calling or the turkey making business. Uh, business is a very, very strong word for what I'm doing. I am cutting up pieces of wood and pretending to make turkey calls. But both of them have been helping me in that pursuit. Lyford uh, makes some of the best calls uh, I have used in a while. One of one of my his my favorite calls of his is a glass call, and and I can't wait to get my hands on some of these honeycomb calls that I've got coming my way as well. Uh, but that's one of the ways that we say thanks to you. We do a couple giveaways a year. We recently revamped it, and. Uh, yeah, I think I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So the end of February, we're going to draw the winner. We're going to send them the shotgun. We're going to send out the goodies. We're going to get both of those call call makers on the podcast here very shortly, and uh, we're going to have a good time talking turkey hunting. But for today, you guys check out Chasing Tales Outdoors online. Go check out the Patreon, and I'm going to let you guys hear from the master himself, the South Alabama legend. Ladies and gentlemen, I have assembled. A trio of deer hunters, two deer killers, and one person to narrate the experience between these two deer killers. We are doing what uh, I told you guys was coming down the pipe, which is we're changing the way we do a little bit of the content. We're trying to bring you a video format in addition to the audio format. So if you're listening to this on a podcast, jump over and check it out on YouTube if you want to see uh, Brett and Chase scoff at me every time I say something stupid and and stutter on myself. So, uh, gentlemen, it is... The first week of February. How you guys doing? Deer season's kind of over. The killing part is kind of over. Brett, calm down. I saw, I saw it coming. It's over tomorrow, but I have to work. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's kind of o- over in Alabama tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow is the last day. February the 10th. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. I but think- is that the end in Alabama altogether, or just where you're at? That's the end all together. That's the latest uh, Alabama goes is February the 10th for the state. Okay. Gotcha. So I've got to February 14th, but mm-hmm. I'm not hunting this weekend. I'm done, man. I got to get caught up on honeydews. Deer season, turkey season's getting here. Uh, I, I push my luck with an infant. Chase, Chase did not adequately warn me about what this first season was going to look like. And no, so, no. <laughs> I so I went back and listened uh-huh. to, to the Tallahassee podcast. And when you were talking about bold predictions and Chase said, it would have been bold if you said you get out more than two times this deer season. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
Yeah, well, I did get out more than two times, but uh, everybody knows how that story went. I didn't kill anything. So um, the good news, though, is I don't measure my deer seasons by kills. I do, I, I measure it very similarly, Brett, to I think kind of how you're going to discuss things here in a little bit. But I measure it in just those encounters. And I had a lot of encounters with a different caliber of deer, consistently got on deer, which is the first time in Florida I've consistently got on deer, um, which is awesome that's a huge progression for me i owe a lot of that to you because you came out and helped me in august scout and get to know some areas and we'll get to all of that at some point in time but gentlemen how do we feel with the 2021 2022 deer season behind us good feelings bad feelings kind of give us the synopsis what do, how are we feeling i'm feeling i mean i feel good uh it could have went way better but I feel like I took a lot out of this season. I got a lot to improve upon. And I still had a really good season coming off of my best season last year or the previous year. So I feel good about it. Uh, I feel fine about my season. I had a lot of hiccups uh, during the season. Uh, Some of the hunts that I had. And I did not get out nowhere near as much as I normally do. Uh, that was due to a bunch of outside factors uh, this season, mm-hmm. uh, but it was kind of it was kind of interesting because normally I'm out way way more than what I went out uh, this past year. Uh, so I think it kind of let me reflect a little bit and realize that uh, there was something like this season. Uh, when I wasn't hunting, I felt like I was missing something. Like I, it felt like there was just something, and I know it was just being out in the woods, going out there, uh, getting the experience of just being out there, not necessarily the kill or killing big bucks or anything like that. Just being out in in nature, uh, enjoying hearing the birds sing, watching the sun come up, all that. I mean, I consider that my uh, church, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that I realized, hey. Um, some of those times where I didn't get out where I probably could have, I needed to go ahead and make that push to uh, get out there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a bugger of a season for a variety of different ways. I mean, if you're a listener of the podcast, you know that we kind of struggled to get content out. We had, like you said, external things happen and it is what it is. That's, that's behind us. Hopefully it it is behind us. I'm just going to speak that into being. So, um, you know, deer season, was a, was a constant battle of learning new things. I, I may have picked a bad year to try and figure out water access and figure out my boat and all this. I may have bit off a little more than I could chew. But at the same time, looking back, I had an absolute blast. And I, I just I keep reliving these hunts over and over again in my head. And that, to me, is the sign that I did the right thing, you know, to some, to some measure. But, you know, uh, Brett is, well, I call him affectionately the Sal the South Alabama legend, because I, I genuinely believe that there's nobody in, uh, frankly, I don't think there's anybody that, that scouts as hard as you do postseason. Um, and the Marco Polo group that you're a part of, you're, for anybody who doesn't know already, uh, Brett is a patron of the show. He is in our Marco Polo group. He drives the deer hunting uh, conversations. It, honestly, he he's always thinking about deer hunting, and so he's constantly pushing people to think about deer in different ways. He's the innovator of the group in a lot of ways. You know, this year he he attacked the ground game, and we got to watch that progression. And, and he's very open and honest in the group about you know mistakes that he made or how encounters went down. He's a no BS kind of guy, and. One of the things that 
happened in the group was after the Patreon hunt that happened in January, everybody started shifting to Turkey. And by everybody, I started shifting everybody to Turkey. And I started talking Turkey because everybody knows that's my, my big passion in life. And Brett very gently <laughs> threw up the caution signs. And he's like, guys, deer season's not over. First off, we can still kill deer because deer season's open in a lot of a lot of places. But secondly, this upcoming season is very valuable for a couple different reasons, one of which is reflecting on the past season when the memories are fresh and evaluating how the season went in a very honest and articulate or a thorough manner. And then the other part of this is the postseason scouting. Um, I think for the purpose of this, let's talk about the former. And then I think, Brett, one of the things I want to do is have you back on to kind of talk about, and we may have time in this episode as well. If so, we can incorporate it. But one of the things that you've really been talking about and you've been very open with the group is things that you're looking back on and trying to evaluate. So kind of why don't you break down what this time of year looks like for you and then maybe we can dig into some of the things you wish you had or not necessarily wish you would have done differently, but things that you're going to improve on next year. This time of year for me, honestly, is my bread and butter. This is what makes my season. So coming in to uh, deer season 2022, all my success is going to come from right now. What I do right now in the off season. And I know that to be true because how I've hunted in the past, and when I started going about it a different way of uh, putting in all my time and effort, um, as soon as season goes out, like literally sometimes the next day, like if it goes out the 10th, the 11th, then you know, whatever day I have. But that is just, when I started doing that, it's not just postseason scouting. I mean, it is big time. That's probably 80% of it. But it's also, I got... I got into uh, doing all my own uh, bow work. I got a bow press, started tuning my own bow, making my own arrows, shooting, just understanding that aspect. And I find that I like to look back at my season, like for this year, for example, I think like we've talked about some. I like to look, well, I heard of, a, I know everybody's heard of Andy May, and I heard him do a podcast with somebody. I have no idea who just randomly stumbled across and was, I want to listen to this. And he talks about during the off season, what he does is he evaluates his weaknesses. He picks two of them and that's what he works on mm-hmm. during the off season. So I took that and my weakness is, or my strength was, is I love being in a tree. Uh, that's where my comfort zone is. And I never really been a ground guy and I never been much of a rattling or calling. So I went in to, to work on that. The previous year, I worked on my bow, my setup, and being a better uh, just all-around shooter with my bow. But this year, I wanted to work on my ground game. I wanted to actually give a full season with calling, grunting, rattling, actually giving it a, a, a real go instead of just doing it once or twice and saying, this doesn't work. Because as I found out this year, it does work. It doesn't always work. But at the right times, in the right situation, in the right places, it is very effective. And I did actually kill my first buck this year off the ground. First buck ever off the ground. And that is an experience I will never forget. 
And honestly, <laughs> I wish uh, Chase was still there where I could experience that with him too. But uh may have been a good thing he left because I got my mojo back after he left. <laughs> 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 So you're referencing Missouri, right? Yeah. Why don't you briefly tell everybody that story? Because you kind of teased it, and and I think it, I think it's a really cool experience, man. Yeah. So another thing I've also always done good is doing observation sits. I like to sit back and watch areas, and I've I've never done an observation sit that wasn't useful in some way. Now you had to find the, you had to take something out of everything and. Even if it's, okay, I know I don't need to hunt over there because there's deer not moving in that area. Or you see deer use a certain trails, you know. Mm-hmm. So observation has always been good for me. And um, I sit basically in a spot I can see a long ways in a big, I mean, similar to a cutover, what I call C, I mean, CRP out there. And I've seen a buck doing a certain thing. He was kind of coming and going in a certain spot. So I knew there was some trail or something over there. Every time I seen him out there, he ended up or either walked through that spot somehow, some way, no matter where I seen him, he ended up there or he come from there. So that last day, I think I told Chase when they left that if I see him again, I'm probably going after him. I'm going to go get into uh, CRP with him and see what happens. And sure enough, I seen him that morning. I, watching with a doe so I, I knew he was going to be out there with that doe he was tending doe running another buck off and i just got down went to the truck change made the long walk around and come in with the wind in my face and i sat there for about seven hours and right after sunset i got i well i took a bunch of pictures from the stand as well which was key once i got out there because that stuff is like as tall as i am mm-hmm. and that played a huge role because when I got out there, I ended up moving three times to uh, get in the best position to uh, shoot the deer if it come through there, like I've been seeing. And sure enough, when the sun set, he was there 60 yards from me and uh, ended up getting a shot on my eight yards and had to leave him overnight and went back the next day and found him. Pretty darn excited. It was eight yards on a deer when you're at eye level with him and he's about 200 pounds <laughs> that's something else i mean that's a i, I don't know how he didn't see you shaking because i'd have just been like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's the cool thing about marco polo because hey, y'all got to live a lot of that with me and a lot of the other guys and that's one thing i love about when other guys are out hunting shooting deer we get to be there right there with them a lot of times so it's awesome yeah, that was cool because I think when you killed that deer, I was at my desk at work. And right, because it was a weekday. It wasn't during the. It wasn't on the weekend, was it? Um. Yeah, I want to say it was a Monday. I think it was a sun Sunday? Was it a Sunday? I think it was a Sunday. Maybe because that's when I was driving back. Yeah. It, so it was a. You found it, it on a Monday. Sunday, but I found yeah. them on Monday. 
I remembered I remembered some part of it was was while I was at work and the, and so the beauty of this of that app and the group that we've we've fostered over there is there's always somebody in the woods when you don't want to be and so if you got a few minutes and you can watch a couple polos you know somebody's out there and I tell you now this doesn't come with a caveat because one of the most annoying things in the world is in the springtime when Brett is out there sh- uh, scouting. The dude, I hand, hand to God, if you've ever said this to yourself, you can't find sheds in the south, you're full of crap. Because Brett, I swear to God, was it like 26 antlers you found last year? Yeah, I believe that. It was somewhere right around 26 within one or two of that. <laughs> and, and it was like every day. It felt like every day he's out there. And it's like, look at these four that I found. Look at these three that I found. And then one day he had like the whole chase. I don't know if you remember this. He had the whole like width of his tailgate full of sheds. Do you remember that? <laughs> I was like, dude, you've got to be kidding me, you know, and here I am telling myself I can't find sheds. The difference is Brett is out there. He's out there this time of year when the foliage is gone and it's easier to see the ground and, and, and he's putting the boot, the, the, the miles in. I think you keep a log, don't you, of how much scouting you do? So I did this year and that's what I was, uh, I, I think I told you last year I'm going to keep up with uh, yeah. many hours. I kept up with my hunts, whether there were whether my hunts were morning, afternoon hunts, how many deer I seen. I also label my ground hunts uh, different than my stand hunting and how many deer I seen and pretty eye-opening keeping up with all that. Do you do you have an idea of about how many miles you took this spring or are you saying you started that after, you started logging that after this spring when you were doing your scouting? No, I started logging it right away, and I didn't actually log miles. I just logged hours. Oh, okay. How, how many hours do you think you had this past spring? I had to look at my phone to be uh, positive, but I think it was 115 hours <laughs> is what I put in. And this is on one piece of public. Right. Now, I only log what I did on that piece of public. And I logged the hours I put on the piece of public I went with you. Yeah. And I think it was like uh, right at almost 15 hours that I put in over there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's caveat or or key here is that um, you sell out to a piece of public and you dominate that piece of public. You, you scout every inch of it. You learn the patterns of the deer. You learn the estrus cycles of the does. You don't do what I've done and make mistakes where I spread myself entirely too thin. I mean, you really invest and, and, and even if that means lower returns for a period of time, you know, you, you're really trying to hone in on that. But I'm curious, looking back, you talked about the ground game. What specifically would you, when you're looking back on last season, what do you, what are you really trying to hone in on this year? Uh, well, I'm trying to, home in on like as in scouting or no no like the, the, you said the, the two things you try and pick two things to improve on like let's let's kind of oh. d- dig into that a little bit what are those two things like if you went into this specifics of it what are you going to do differently this year um for certain i'm going to continue to ground game and i got a long ways to go um, it's, it's difficult it's not easy by no means but i will tell you this i had seven mornings i sat on the ground and I seen six bucks and five of them were three and a half and older. Wow. And that was really eye opening. And it's, you know, it's not like I'm just sitting on the ground. I'm, I'm sitting in the ground 
in places that you can't hunt you can't get elevated and hunt right i'm sitting in thickets and stuff with smaller trees stuff you just can't climb in but people aren't hunting it or at least i don't believe and i'm just getting off in the edge of it just say 30 40 yards to where i know deer's not going to come through this opening behind me so i know the deer are going to be kind of out in front of me and that worked really well with uh rattling especially comes a certain time of the year and i rattled up i think uh one two three four uh four bucks in there wow that that's kind of that's really so it's funny because you hear chase i mean i'm sure you've heard this before especially when you started getting into hunting as an adult you know all the things you can't do to kill deer right like calling doesn't work and things like that to hear brett go and hunt from the ground which is kind of counterintuitive most people don't do that and you're not using like a ground blind right you're just your natural cover right yeah i take there's a lot of different dead fall dead limbs and i try to stack all that up behind me and i try to make some in front of me but i got to do a lot more because there was only one deer i was at full draw and i could easily shot but he was on like two and a half uh i didn't shoot him but all the rest of them i got drew back on uh two more bucks in there and i was busted like they come in within like they had to be within 20 25 yards to get a shot and stuff so thick i mean when you seen the deer he was within 40 yards or most time he was within 30 yards before you could ever see him so this stuff's thick and i got to figure out how to make it work and get drawn back. I'm doing this all with a bow as well. I don't know if we mentioned that, but I bow hunt probably, I mean, at least 90% of the year always. So I got to figure out how to uh, get drawn back and actually not get busted because I've had deer that I just needed two more steps on one of them. One of them I needed like three yards on. I mean, just that close to shooting like, some really nice deer so it just fuels my fire i got to figure it out i mean it's gonna drive me crazy so i'm gonna scout the crap out of that place i'm gonna figure out better places to set up i'm gonna go in before season i'm gonna drag logs anything dead in there i'm gonna go ahead and make blinds and i'm having set up for different winds set up in different uh places uh around like areas that that fit in to what I hunted this year. And uh, that way I don't have to do a bunch of disturbances, but I just got to figure out a better way to stay concealed and get, get, um, actually execute a shot on the deer besides just getting them in the bow range and then not being able to shoot them. So that's something I, I had to work on. So is that, is that one and two or is that just one? That's just one really. Um, be honest, I hadn't really thought about number two. That's okay. There's still time left. Um, but I, for sure, that's number one. Oh, I mean, one other thing I done told myself I wanted to do is uh, I think somebody else in the group mentioned it the other day, and it's I think it's good for anybody is get a 3D target and I'm a you oh. know get my saddle in the yard and. I want to set the deer with quartering shots and some really close shots 
But when they're close to your tree, say you use a 20-yard pin like most people do, uh, a lot of times you, you have to aim a little lower and just, you know, just having all that dialed in just in case that happens. Because a lot of times I find that when I get on deer I want to shoot, they end up pretty close to my tree. I think mm -hmm. the one I, sh I mean, both both bucks I shot this year were one was at 15, one was at eight yards, mm. which one was on the ground, granted. But I just always notice when they're about 15 to 12 yards, you know, I hit a little high on them, which is okay because I'm usually high in the tree. But I just, you know, something I need to practice. And okay, in case if I have one even closer, I don't want to spine shot or backstrap it or something. That makes sense. Chase, as always, I'm dominating the conversation. So if you if you want to jump in, go ahead. <laughs> oh man, I'm just I'm just listening to uh, Brett uh, trying to think myself of ways that I could possibly utilize a ground game down here. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't had a lot of success with calling. Um, maybe it's just that it's not the right time of year. I know calling is kind of specific a lot of times to it's, it's just got to be the the right time of the year. Uh, I've done it a bunch. I don't. I don't think I've ever had anything respond to rattling. Uh, I've had stuff respond to grunt calls, estrus mm -hmm, cans, mm -hmm. things like that. I just have never had anything uh, respond. Now I say never. Uh, that could be because who knows? The, the deer came in downwind and I never saw them. I mean, there's there's always that uh, possibility to where maybe I'm just not set up right. My setup's not right for rattling, and I just break out the rattling antlers and go, oh, I hadn't seen anything. I'm going to try that today. And never really thinking about, hey, if I am going to rattle where my setup uh, needs to be kind of dialed in for that uh, to be able to execute, to maybe get it to where, okay, this deer can't circle downwind 150 yards, 200 yards from me, uh, pick up my scent, and I just never see it. So a lot of people, when you're saying, oh, it's never worked, Maybe it didn't work because you, you weren't set up properly for it to work. So there's all kinds of things that in the deer woods you kind of got to think about other than I'm just going to try this and, and see if it works. And I know, especially being on the ground, you really got to have that set up uh, dialed in, mm -hmm. uh, especially the wind. Um, I mean, I've killed some deer on the ground, uh, but it was in I, – I had like a ground blind set up uh, for those deer. Um, I've killed them on the ground with a gun obviously, um, which is a lot easier uh, than doing it with a bow at 15, 20 yards trying to get drawn back pretty much uh, out in the open. So I was just, just kind of rolling through my head of, of trying to figure out maybe different ways I can attack things. I mean, there's definitely some areas where the trees are limited in some of the areas that I hunt, uh, and I'm always looking for ways to get in a tree somehow. I did hunt uh, in a tree this year where I got maybe, I don't know, seven feet off the ground uh, on a tree. And I was like, well, this is, this is just how the, the setup's going to have to be. Uh, and I tried to make sure I was kind of shielded. Uh, I did notice that I got busted uh, more, but there were also uh, a couple of bucks. Had they been bigger, I would have gotten shot shots on. They, they didn't know I was there. So just because you can only get whatever, six, seven feet off the ground – in an area i mean just like ground hunting you can make it happen so uh, sometimes we i think we limit ourselves a lot uh, as hunters just because 
We're like, well, it's only going to work if I'm 26 feet up in the air and uh, in a tree. And I feel like that could possibly be a weakness for everybody is just having that, that limiting factor in there. It's like, oh, I can't do this. And then Brett went and did things that he's never done before and found out, oh, I, I can do all these things uh, when the situation's appropriate. Uh, yeah. To throw two cents in on the, um, the calling aspect, I called pretty much all year. I didn't rattle all year, but come uh, pre-rut to the end of season, um, I tried it, and you're, it doesn't always work. I was in the same places that I rattled up bucks and rattled, and it didn't nothing come to it. So just because you rattle that one time doesn't mean a week or two later it won't work in that same spot. What I found out is it's just the time of the year. It just depends on if the deer are in that just that right mood, like maybe pre-rut or late season, you know, when they're in that mood to uh, come to calling. Because I've rattled in these spots that I called bucks in, up in times and times before and after I rattled the bucks up with no response. Mm. So it's not going to work always. I feel like it only worked maybe 15% of the time. But when it did, it's freaking awesome. <laughs> and the bugs I riled up were good deer, all three and a half and older. I had uh, one, I had two, a hundred percent, or at least four and a half year olds. I mean, over a hundred inch deer uh, within 25 yards at full draw, and he stuck his head around the tree and just stared at me. And I'm at full draw for like 20, 25 seconds and started shaking so bad that he could just, you know, he could see me shaking. He, he took off and then an hour later rattled up another deer that was over a hundred inches and he stood at like 30 yards. I knew I'd take like three or four steps past this like super tall grass to get a shot on him. And I was, I'm not going to grunt this time because I grunted last time and that, but he like pinpointed me and he come in and stuck his head around the tree instead of his body. So I didn't do that. And then he, he stood there for, probably six or seven minutes then he just turned and walked out the way he come from mm. so it's kind of i was like uh i did it one time and got busted i didn't do it the next time and he didn't come in so you know i, I got a lot to learn basically what i'm getting at <laughs> but it doesn't always work it probably only works like 15 percent of the time but when it does it's very addicting oh yeah i know we've had uh, James Stovall on the podcast before, and he mentioned he's a big Florida hunter, and he mentioned like his calling, and it was like he was calling almost every fifteen minutes in the tree, uh, and his whole thing was is like, well, the the deer just might not have been an earshot of that call fifteen minutes ago, mm -hmm. and now he's cruising through, and he's there's finally a deer with an earshot of that rattling to be able to respond because they do. Their range is so wide in Florida. I mean, they do move a lot, and especially during the rut or whatever. Who knows? A buck could have been chasing a doe a half mile away 15 minutes ago, and now he's closed uh, distance enough to be uh, within earshot of your rattling to where uh, he's going to come in. But he, I know he calls a lot and uh, quite a bit, and 
I think during all parts of the season for the most part. So it it is effective in Florida for sure. Yeah, I've I've had a pile of success. In fact, everywhere I've hunted. Let me let me walk that back here. See if I need. Yeah, every region of both Georgia and Florida that I've hunted, I've been able to call in deer, buck and doe. Um, the biggest buck I ever shot and missed up in North Georgia, I grunted him. I was hunting on the ground. I'd kind of done a Brett Mashburn. and there was this little connection between uh, the little sat, like almost a saddle, but it was really just a crossing between uh, a crossing and a creek. And I set up a ground blind, and I'm watching this creek crossing, and I thought I heard something on the far side, and I grunted, and a buck came in behind me, and I, I pivoted, you know, spun and, and shot, and I had like a gap like this between the trees, and I barked a tree. Um, but, I mean, I've called in. I was thinking about this the other day. I've called in almost half the deer that I've shot, um, bucks-wise. But half the bucks that I've shot have been deer that I've called in, including uh, one of them last year. The eight-point that I shot in Florida last year was one that I called in for reference. And I and I call year-round. I have um, a, a fawn or doe bleat on me at all times, and I've got a grunt tube on me. And I have a lot of success during bow season um, – using the doe and heat, the, the little can that kind of sounds like a little fawn bleat. I'll do that. And the does will come in just to investigate. And everybody, everybody I talk, talk to about is like, Oh, they come in on high alert. I mean, they come in looking, but they're not like freaking out. And I've had them come right to the base of the tree that I'm in and look, be looking around I'm like, Oh, so next year during bow season, I'm going to try and employ that in areas that I know have a high doe count. I'm going to go in there and do that, that doe and heat. And I'm going to probably, use that in tandem with the ground game because there's these nice pine thickets that are out there that are real dense and those deer are coming in and out of those trails playing as day um and if i can catch them as they've just gone in there and, and kind of call them to the perimeter um i, I think it, i think it'll pan out but i i think calling is one of those things that it doesn't work until it does and i think a lot of people try it and then they just like don't do it again and it's one of those things where you know brett you said 15 percent of the time it works Man, I'd bet you my odds are like one to two percent of the time it works. But it's one of those things where I've never had it that I could tell. Granted, something could have heard me and ran off. Um, I've never grunted or made a deer call and spooked game. I mean, especially like deer that I'm seeing at a distance. I'm like clack 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 clack. I'm just trying to like spook that deer, and they look over there like, who the hell is over there fighting, man? Like they just don't care here for me. Uh, Georgia, Florida, North Florida, I haven't spooked anything off it might be a totally different I, I bet you herb right now is like losing his mind and he's like oh no you can scare off deer i guarantee you herb is freaking out about that comment but in georgia and florida i've yet to call in or scare a deer with calls so i think that's a great uh i second that yeah so you've never scared you don't you don't feel like you've ever scared off a deer yeah well, that's what i said well, i have purposely scared deer off like late where I could get out the stand, took rattling horns, just, just jamming on the gator being as loud as I can. They just look around and just keep doing their thing. And I'm like, really? <laughs> okay, Chase, give us give us the breakdown. You said you said you have scared off deer. What like all... I have scared off deer grunting at really? bucks. Yeah, oh yeah. They they I grunted at a buck. I think it was a couple of years ago. He, he was just out of range. There was a doe that kind of passed through, and he was kind of following her, but he was kind of on the edge of the wood line. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, I was like, I'm going to grunt at him just to see. I didn't. I was on the fence of whether I was going to shoot him or not at that point. And it was, it was actually, it was later in the season. Uh, it wasn't like prime rut or mm -hmm. anything like that. But it, somehow, I guess this doe 
maybe the second or third rut or whatever, she she had must have come in because he was following her. What age and, class of a buck? Uh, he was – I think he was probably a two and a half, maybe three and a half year old or whatever. Mm. And he came through and I, I like I said, he was on that edge and I was like, well, I'm going to grunt at him just to see if he just, because sometimes I've, I've grunted at him before. I've grunted at him and I've had him just come charging in like from a couple of hundred yards away, like balls to the wall coming in. And then I've also had him just like, they're going to come a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're going to come enough to kind of look to see, like, okay, what what was that? And I, that's what I was hoping out of him was, like, just clear, just enough. I mean, five, ten yards. All I need is you to come five, ten yards, maybe at least poke your head out and go, what what was what was that? And, I mean, the second I hit that grunt call, that joker booked it. I'm talking about just gone. Like, maybe it, it was – Yeah, there, there might have been. I mean, I've <laughs> – I guess I've been known to be in areas where there's big bucks before. I don't know, yeah. but uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so there could have been a big buck in that area. But him, uh, and maybe there may have been a, a. I mean, it doesn't spook them all the time. Like I said, you can kind of look at a deer. Like I said, I've looked at them before where they're running and stuff, and call to them and get their attention with it. Uh, I've also done it to where, like I said, they did absolutely nothing. Where they, it was just like they, it just. Didn't even look up, didn't phase them at all. Mm. Just have them keep keep walking, and I know they were within earshot uh, of the call. So I mean, it, it could be it's deer dependent. I mean, uh, you got I mean, it's just like humans. You got people that are on edge all the time that are, are not, and you got people that just don't give a rip about anything. So they they really don't care. Um, and you got guys that love to fight, <laughs> so they're, they're going to come in. Um, and it, but to me. I would have never – I don't think I would have ever gotten a shot on that deer anyways if I had not tried the call. So it wasn't it wasn't like a, a loss for me or anything because I don't, I don't think I would have – there was never a chance of me getting a shot on him anyways. So why not try it? Sure. Just something else in the arsenal. Um, and I don't think I educated because he didn't see me. You know, like I said, I mean, you talk about educating deer. What I was like, well, he never saw me. He didn't have a clue I was in the world. He just heard that grunt. Like he didn't even look up to see that grunt he mm-hmm. just booked it so uh, I'm, I'm not big on the oh you educated the deer or whatever yeah. i'm like well how did i educate him he wasn't downwind and i know for a fact that he didn't see me so maybe he had been grunted at before and had a bad experience i, I don't know but uh you you can spook deer just like you can spook them doing anything else by reaching into your backpack and grabbing a little debbie i mean so <laughs> i feel personally attacked right now chase <laughs> well there you go <laughs> you know where this season went <laughs> too many little debbies <laughs> uh, yeah might be my, my nickname if i'm not careful here little debbie yeah. Mm-hmm. Brett. We need to get a shirt that says Little Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. That'd be funny. Brett, it looks like you got something to say. So, I got something on my mind. And Uh-oh. This is kind of for what I would say for the, the weekend warriors because that's basically what I am because during the winter is usually my busy time at work and I'm usually on overtime. Right. I'm on the hunting Saturday, Sunday. Every once in a while, I get off on a Thursday and Friday a few times during deer season. But I felt like uh, as soon as season out goes out, postseason scouting, 
and doing the things I do in the off season is a great equalizer for the people who only can hunt the weekends. This is the time you can get the intel that you can't deer in hunting season because you're at work. So you're going out right now and season's out, but you're still going off the deer sign that's laid down during the time that you can hunt. So that is valuable. Now, it may not be early season material, but come the rut time, come later in the season, when you're going to see your bigger deer, usually it's going to be valuable. This is when you go find his, uh, his core area. This is when you go into bedding areas. This is when you think back on every single hunt that you've been on. Where have you seen deer? Where did deer typically come from? Are they all come from the same area? Did you see bucks only coming from this area or this terrain? You get on them trails and you walk every single one and you you just learn everything you can about it. I mean, you walk all of it. And that is a great equalizer for the weekend warrior. Come the next season, mm -hmm. you log every trail, log everything you find, like on whatever hunting app you use. And you have a map to go off of. I got maps. I'm like, I seen the deer on this trail. I put my map and I'm like, I bet he's doing this, this, and that. And uh, then, you know, I may be able to put out cameras and verify or, or whatnot. But I feel like this time of the year is a time that you can put in a lot of work and it can pay off for you. I actually, I know it can because it's changed everything for me. Um, I went from killing deer and having chances, one, one or two chances a year at, at a good buck to consistently killing mature bucks and it's all from all the work I put in off season that's why I call it my bread and butter it's what makes my season it's off season and it's just being out there learning everything because during deer season I'm at work most of the time so I can only hunt and I don't want to go into them areas and blow them out I like to stay out of them but I love this time of the year because I know I can go in these areas now that I've been wanting to go in and, and just, I love it. I love just getting there. So I feel like I'm investigating, trying to figure out everything that did. And I, it's marked and I'm using it for the next season. And these places that I'm finding during the off season is where I'm killing my mature bucks and deer season come the next year. Hmm. I just wanted to say that. Well, I mean, and, and the proof is in the pudding in the sense that you and I went and found, now it wasn't in the, the immediate postseason, but you and I went and found a sign from the previous year, put up a camera, you know, we, we combined a lot of the information that you had acquired from South Alabama to make a good prediction about with this area. You, you picked this spot out, not we, you picked this spot out on the map and you wanted to go look at it. We went there, we found the sign from the previous year. Lucky for us, it was a swamp bottom. So it was a little easier to see that historical sign. Unlike a lot of other places that grow up a little more clearly and put the camera up and had a fantastic 10 point on camera. I mean, I, you both you seen the photo i mean that's a hundred inch whitetail right i mean that was it's close to it i would say yeah close. yeah and and good character good mass and i don't think he got shot this year i got a camera still sitting in that area uh sometime this spring i'm gonna go pull it and see and if he didn't get shot that's gonna be a freaking stud this year um i'm going like, oh. back this month sometime to, to go walk that area are you I'm yeah, to. I do too. I was kind of thinking about this weekend, but it's still, 
It's still hunting season technically, so I don't really want to run into somebody. Maybe next weekend. Just think about that. Uh, Chase, you're not invited. You, in fact, you don't get to know where it is. This is a Brett and I affair. This is kind of like the Pat, the Pat, and the Ben love affair. Trees like, oh, I'll hunt yeah. this tree and shoot a dang hundred inch deer. I mean, so yeah. have to. It takes I mean. skill to do that, Brett. It takes a lot of skill to do yeah. that. So imagine if I actually had scouted that place, what I might have walked out of there with. Yeah, I mean, um, if you post, I've got the e-bike, so I'm probably gonna get up there. Um, I need to get up there in the off season. Yes, you do. Take the e-bike, and uh, I know the pattern. Like if we go back up there again next year, I know what the pattern is mm -hmm. for those deer yep. without a doubt. Yep. So I don't. Uh, I, I'm not saying I would go kill a stud, but I'm pretty sure I could go there and kill a deer at the same time uh, of year next year. Um, just listening to other people. I mean, you can learn a lot from other people. To okay, what are the deer doing? How, how can I relate that to where I'm at? Uh, and I think that Patreon hunt that we had with all the people there, all the eyes in the woods, yeah. what they were seeing. I mean, that was, I mean, how many hunts would you call that for somebody? I mean, with all the information that everybody was giving each other, 20, I mean, what do we have? 20 guys. Yeah. 21. Guys how many there. sits? So intel. <laughs> 60 sits. I mean, yep. 60, 70, 80 sits or whatever. And a lot of those guys just did like a bunch of scouting. Piece. Yeah. So there was a lot of uh, intel yeah. to be able to gather from that, um, and I think that uh, it. Yeah, I think, like I said, we definitely need to go back there next year. Definitely, I definitely need to get up with you, scout it some, uh, for we sure. To jump some bucks from me and you and uh, Ron scouted before the hunt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that area where or Ron. What I mean, who knows? Maybe we bumped him out of there that day or whatever. But I, I think that. If you went there three or four days later, I've, I really feel like you would have had a good shot at shooting a buck in that spot. Mm -hmm. um, so it just may have been – it's Florida. So yeah. it just could have been whatever. They're on their three-day pattern or four-day pattern or ten-day pattern of going through that area. That could have been um, that could have been a Roman deer. The sign that we saw on there could have been another big deer. Yeah. You know, we were talking peak rut when we were there. In that area, you know, Chase, you're like, I feel like I could kill a good deer – I mean, I had five deer that were a hundred inch or better on camera, like right in that range just this year. And I, and, and I had multiple encounters with, with, with one of them out and well, I'm not gonna say that I had multiple encounters with, with two different deer, um, right before daylight or just, you know, right, right as daylight and the wind shifted, everybody knows that story, but, um, you know, I feel like if, if the three of us really invest in that time, especially in this postseason, which yields huge benefits. I feel like we could definitely get on the deer in that area and, and have ourselves a good time. I think that's definitely a place, though, that early bow season would actually be really, really good as well. If you can tolerate the bugs, I, I feel like that's going to be a place that early bow season, um, I probably, like, once it opens up, I'll probably sell out to hunting there and bouncing around through those swamps and catching deer moving through those areas I, i'm all my cell my, all my cell cameras and trail cameras are going to be out there this year that's for dang sure so yeah yeah i, I bet it is good uh early bow season yeah so, i can't say too much about it without giving the place away so yeah i know i keep trying to edit i'm like um, let, let's just change the change the um the the the, the or name it we'll, we'll call it tate's hell that's what we'll call it um tate's hell tate's yeah. hell but uh 
Well, gentlemen, I, I, the, the main purpose of this podcast was to kind of give everybody that, that idea. I think looking back, um, I don't really think that I could have done much differently. I feel like one of the major things that I could do is perfect my system as I climb the tree. Um, I do this every year where like the first few sits are rough where I, I'm like relearning my process or little, little nuances to it, or I'm away from it for a year and I realize things that I have been tolerating can be fixed and I find solutions by the tail end of all my sits. I had, I had a system that really worked for me, but the point from which I left the stick, the top stick to the platform and got all my camera gear and everything set up, I want to get that like a little more streamlined. And I think I've come up with a good way to do it um, to where it's a little quieter, maybe a little bit faster. And I think I want to kind of coordinate a couple things that I've seen. You know, Brett, you have uh, a nader that you use with those cableators on the Timber Ninjas. Schwader. Schwader. That's what it is. Nader goes on your knee. Yours is on your foot. Yeah, it's on my foot, and it goes all the way up to my waistline. I got you. Okay, okay. So I want to do one of those, I think, with some some cableators because I could cut down on the amount of sticks that I'm carrying. Um, I think maybe I might change up what stick I'm using. Um, but I, I feel like my system was pretty 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 fair. One thing I may also do is I've got a bright blue bow, um, and hunting from the tree, it doesn't bug me. I, I don't have any issue with it. I love it. But I'm considering like putting a strip of camo tape down the front of it and on the limbs, maybe like limbs, uh, maybe some of that stealth strip, just so I can hunt from the ground. Because Brett, I've always wanted to hunt from the ground. I did more of it this year than I did last year. I did more last year than I did ever before. And then you went into some of these areas uh, that were really thick, and you had those encounters. And when I look back on the trail camera pictures of where I have consistent deer movement, it's in those thick areas year round, regardless of the season consistent daylight photos in that thickness and i think hunting from the ground might be something that you see me do a lot more of because frankly it's a lot more fun to hunt from the ground when you're scouting your way in because you don't have to pick a tree you don't have to set up and carry all that extra weight you walk in there you find a good backdrop you take some of those deadfalls like you're saying you construct an area based on the wind and you just hunt man um and i had a lot of fun doing that last year and 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 seeing your success doing it it's really sparked a real passion for me again. So, yeah. well, gentlemen, that that I feel like hits us where we want to be and leave this conversation. We don't quite have enough time to get into the storytelling component of this, but do y'all have any final thoughts for the listener? <laughs> I mean, my- final thoughts for the listener? Or you go ahead, Brett. I'll, I'll close it out. I mean, my final thought would be if you didn't have the the deer season you wanted this 20, 2021 season, right now is the time to change it for next year. Get out in the woods and learn your areas that you've been hunting. Go off the intel that you've seen from the stand and walk these trails you see deer on. Are they getting to you at midnight? Are they an hour before daylight or after? Get on the trails and figure it out. Get in the thick stuff. Find out where they're living. Write down the sign. Mark the trails. Like I'll get on a trail and I'll mark it and I'll walk it all the way out till I can't find it no more. And I'll mark it on the map. But then I might walk all the way back 
because there was another trail, but then get on that trail and mark it out. So I basically have a map of all the deer trails in these areas. So it just helps a lot to figure stuff out. Then you find a lot of trails that cross. There may be four or five trails crossing. That's where you want to put your camera and that's where you want to hunt if it's huntable. Now, the spot that I'm hunting on the ground is one of those spots. There's five trails that all cross in this one spot. And uh, that's where I did all my ground hunting was in that particular spot. And I found that from postseason scouting again. And like Walter said, I've always looked at stuff like, man, this looks so good. There's just no trees to get in. And I was, I've always wanted to hunt from the ground, but I just wouldn't do it because I didn't feel comfortable and I want to be a better rounded hunter and work on my weaknesses. So I decided the ground game and the calling for this past season was what I was going to work on. And so basically I just went out of my comfort zone and then doing the postseason scouting. But postseason scouts definitely changed the game for me. Oh, the proof's in the pudding for you, man. I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait to get up with you. We talked about it. One of the things I want to do this year is I want to come up there and I'm going to scout with you. With you, I want to kind of see what's going on. Um, I'm see very seriously wanting to add Alabama to the list of states that I've killed a turkey in, which means I'm probably going to buy a, uh, an Alabama license so that it's it's deer and for and, and turkey. I can get both of those. So uh, maybe maybe you know I could you know bum one of your doe spots or something. You know, I don't know. Just you know, shoot a doe or two. them all. <laughs> Go ahead, Chase. Close this out, my man. Plenty, yeah. plenty of doe spots. Yeah. Uh, no, I was gonna say. Uh, I know a lot of people listen to this. You're, you're. Most guys are trying to learn something. It seems like uh, when you're getting on podcast, I think it's kind of what we all kind of get into the hunting podcast is maybe. Uh, you might be struggling with something or you just you just want to be a better deer hunter. And I think a lot of people put pressure on themselves during deer season, which there's there's no reason to ever put pressure on yourself. Uh, to me, hunting, I mean, hunting is one of those things that's a lifelong sport. So it's, it's not a sprint. I mean, it, it's a marathon. Yeah. So if you can figure out like maybe one thing a year uh, to work on or if you're doing something and – You've been doing it for the last four or five years. I mean, I've, I've heard Brett kind of say it's like, and it's not working, then, like I said, you, you, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone and figure out a, a different way. I know everybody's situation is different uh, where, I mean, I can get out in the woods uh, a lot more uh, than the normal person because of work schedule where some people are your uh, weekend warrior and I feel like I was like, there's no reason you should be putting crazy pressure on yourself to where it's like, oh, I got to kill all five bucks this year. I got to kill a, a Florida registry buck or an Alabama book buck or or wherever you're wherever you're hunting at. Um, uh, hunting's, I mean, it's supposed to be fun. I mean, I know everybody has it, and everybody has a different type of passion for it on how they want to do it, where they want to do it, uh, and all that. But I think if you kind of can ref <coughs> reflect and not necessarily want to get to your end game right now to where you're like, okay, I, I want to be the best hunter ever right now. All that takes time. If you look at everybody, I mean, mm -hmm. it's took them years and years and years uh, to get to where they're at. And it took them 
that long to figure out a system that works for them. Brett's doing that now, figuring out a system yep. uh, that works for him. And I think Brett will be the first to tell you that he still is not even close to having that perfected uh, yet. And to to look at it as this is it's a, it's a long term game. Stay stay in that long term game goal, just like the stock market or whatever else. Um, and over time, you'll see that compound interest just keep growing and growing and growing. I I've got so little to add to that. You never <laughs> stop learning. I mean, yeah, I feel like you will learn. I mean, from being a first-year hunter to hunting 60 years or something to learn. And time in the woods is everything if you want to learn. Just being out in the woods, not necessarily hunting, just walking the woods, looking for deer sign. I mean, you're going to learn so much from that, whether you know it or not. And I feel like every day I walk in the woods, I, I want to take something away. I want to learn something that I did not know. Uh, I... I try to take something away from everything. I think about it like on my ride home or something. Like, what did I learn today being in the woods? What can I take away from it? Something. Oh, yeah. And I've heard, I mean, I want to be a hunter, like, whatever. If I've been hunting 30 years, I want to have 30 years of experience. I don't want to have one year of experience 30 times. So, I mean, you can kind of look at it like that. I mean, you need to be working on yourself and not be the guy that's just like I said, if you're doing the same thing every year, I feel like you're that person that has one year of experience 30 different times as opposed to working over the long haul and getting that 30 years of experience to make you the hunter that you eventually want to be one day. That's a humdinger of a sentence right there, dude. That is, (laughs) that is profound. Wow. Yeah, no, you're right though. You are totally right. That is I'm just, curious. I'm just curious on what Chase has for us, what what he can uh, work on during the offseason or anything you feel like, <laughs> or anything like you feel like you could uh, you can improve on or something like or that you need to. I mean, Walter said he wanted us to be a short podcast. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I can work on everything, Brett. I mean, Heart I shots. feel like I'm I'm good enough. I mean, I'm good. I'm good. There's things I'm good at. There's plenty of things that I'm weak at. I feel like something over the last couple of years that I would say that I was, I would say that was a strength, but now is a weakness is my uh, like preseason prep, like my shooting and things like that. Like before I used to shoot my bow all the time. Like I'd be constantly out there shooting my bow. Didn't matter what time of the year it was. I had uh, a archery target set up and would just be out there. I'd go shoot five, six shots, uh, one day and then the next day I may shoot 20 shots or whatever and for some reason or the other I've kind of gotten out of that routine and I definitely I need to get back into that routine uh, I don't know who knows with a shot on the deer that I took on that hunt whether I mean I'm sure it was something I did but I was out of practice at that point like I brought the bow and who knows made a bad shot on the deer but I feel like I, I can work on that um and I feel like one of my weaknesses for sure, I don't necessarily call if it's a weakness, but is I just don't cyber scout that much. Like I really don't spend a lot of time looking at the map. And I don't know if it's just because maybe I'm not good. I don't feel like I'm good at it to where I'm looking for certain things. Um, I do look at the map, just not uh, as nowhere near as much as I hear other people constantly look at cyber scouting. 
uh, for deer. But I feel like I make up for that from boots on the ground uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like that's one of the ways. And in Florida, I mean, it's just so hard to look at the map and be able to go, okay, yeah, this is what this is. I mean, it just all looks the same to me. I mean, it, it, a lot of it just looks the same to me and, and maybe I need to work on that more of finding those little nuances and stuff on the map and investigating uh, those more. So uh, I feel like those, that's probably two things that I can work on uh, this off season. And I don't really get out. I definitely don't scout as much as you do post We'll call it postseason <laughs> um, as much as you do, Brett. Uh, I feel like a lot of my postseason scouting is probably during turkey hunting because I'm not the turkey hunting fiend that Walter is. I mean, I turkey hunt. I like to turkey hunt, but I feel like I'm more deer scouting while I'm out turkey hunting. I'm looking for deer sign and the trails and uh, tracks and uh, old finding the last season scrapes and rubs. And and I feel like I'm more focused on that than I am necessarily turkey hunting uh, a lot. Um, but I definitely, I wouldn't necessarily call that a weakness. I would just call that something that, uh, I need to, uh, do more of. Yeah. uh, Overall I'm weak. I mean, I need to, I probably need to work on my luck. I feel like I need to work on my luck as a weakness. That's probably one of the weaknesses that I have. (laughs) The dude sets foot on a place he's never been before and within 24 hours kills <laughs> fatally wounds a uh fatally uh, wounds a deer <laughs> fatally wounds a huge deer um that was crazy man well brett i appreciate you taking time out your evening man uh we talk all the time as it is but we we seldom have the opportunity to hit record um i hope for the listener you're, you're sitting here thinking about this you're thinking about the off season you know as much as i'm a turkey hunting fiend i'm still thinking about last year as well and when i'm turkey when i'm turkey hunting it's past that prime or i don't have a bird that's firing off on my way to find one i'm looking at that sign i'm dropping pins and i found some places that i'll be hunting uh, via water access during turkey season and so uh, for you guys out there listening to this podcast i, I want you to take the time to kind of reflect on this past season also carve out some time this spring to get out there and do some scouting i'm gonna have some scouting videos come out uh probably in the next couple weeks where brett and i get together and go look at some of these areas or myself if brett can't join me or if chase wants to join me there's going to be scouting videos where i show you what what postseason scouting looks like for me personally um uh and and i'd also say this for anybody who's listening to this show uh or watching this show or listening, however, uh, Chase or uh, Brett and I are representing uh, right now the Florida Public Land Hunter shirt. Uh, we have a select run of these left from the last order. They are on the website right now. Um, limited quantities. I think we're looking at uh, large, extra large, and two XL right now. Um, I think the Hobblegoblas are all sold out, but uh, if there's enough interest come March 1, I'll probably put in another order for some more Hobblegobla t-shirts as well. And I got some cool designs coming. My wife got this fancy new iPad, and then I have these little harebrained ideas, and 
I sent them over to her, and she puts them into uh, text. So get ready. Uh, we might have a new shirt for this turkey season. I know 100% we'll have at least two deer shirts coming out for this fall, and uh, you guys are going to benefit from that. And, uh, yeah, tell somebody about the podcast. Leave us a rating. I'd like to get us to 200 ratings this year. We're at 161, Chase. Speaking of, why don't I read one off real quick? We got a new one the other day. It was Brett's mom. She took the time to leave us a, a rating and a review. <laughs> I know about uh, man. <laughs> I should have had this ready from the jump. Um, here it is. So uh, this is tougher than nails with the most like creative like edit of that. But Walt and Chase work together. The podcast is a great balance of stories, tactics, funny, funny antics, and gear breakdowns. Chase, somebody finds this freaking funny, dude. Like that, <laughs> that that's huge. Uh. I just feel like I come off as stupid half the time. So, <laughs> but that leaves us 39 reviews. If we could get 39 reviews this year and get us to 200, we're almost at a straight five five star with 161 reviews. If we get to 200, that'd be great. But tell a friend about the podcast. Consider signing up for Patreon so you can pick the brain of the South Alabama legend and talk to Chase and all the different guys who have all these wonderful areas of expertise. And uh, so the money goes to supporting the show, and we'd love to see you over there. So until next time, the most important thing is get outside and enjoy the great outdoors.